Some wise words. Wise words from someone who, um, who thought they had it all figured out. Um, I think at times you assume that that is what I do, is figure things out and give you wisdom. Um, I don't know if that's the case. I think most of what I'm figuring out is that, um, that I really don't know um, as much as I thought I once did. Um, life will continue to present us with opportunities to, um, to be humbled, to, um, to be joyful, to be excited, and to be afraid. Um, this week alone, I'm sure you've been presented with those the last few weeks. We know that we have as a congregation. Um, we can speak to um, some new beginnings for some of our youth, some exciting times as school begins, um, as some of our youth are going off to college. Um, some that are finishing those milestone places in their lives, and now it's time to decide what's next. Um, for those of us who have life figured out and every moment is planned and prepared for, things change. Sometimes we're blessed because God has been gracious and merciful in our health, and sometimes we haven't been blessed so much. In, 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 a, in a day like today, we could have an opportunity to be um, reminded of the importance of being redeemed and, um, and having a new a lease on life um, because being committed to God is something that we're going to decide to, uh, to um, take, take seriously from this moment on. And for some of us, it's an opportunity to be reminded again of the grace of Jesus Christ, of our God and Father in heaven. We have ways in which we can respond and choose to respond each week that we're presented um, a breath, each day, each moment that we're given an opportunity. And um, we've been faced with a lot in the last coming weeks. We're still mourning the loss of Nita White. Um, we're still celebrating the health of Josh Watkins. Um, very similar situations and very different outcomes. Um, I don't have wisdom on those things. Um, God is in control. And his plan and his timing and his voice is something I need to follow, something we talked about last week, something that we'll repeat again today. Um, because for me to sit here and say, I know more than, um, than uh, the, the King Solomon or, or, um, or any of the New Testament writers or, um, or David himself, I don't. I don't. But I know God knows all things. We still are, are asked, are given the opportunity to respond today. Respond preemptively in our worship time to be here, to be prepared, to worship in song and in our scripture reading, to, um, to be in remembrance during communion. If you get a chance to attend our small group tonight at 5 o'clock, um, question 5 um, asks you to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, where Paul asks those that are following Christ to become the scum of the earth, like garbage. Um, th remember that as you decide to go through your daily walk. In, um, in 2 Corinthians, we see Christ, um, there's, there's sort of a, um, some closure to that idea. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, if you go to verse 21, 20 and 21, says, We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, those who may become garbage in our own communities to be, um, to be identified with something greater than what the world deems wise. We talked last week that um, what makes sense to God won't always make sense to our world, and if, if God makes sense to our culture, maybe there's something wrong there, because our culture is not made up in the world to make sense in God's, um, in God's vision at times. But we're Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making an appeal for us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become righteous 
the righteousness of God. I don't understand that sacrifice that God would send his son perfect to become like garbage, like I am at times. And I make mistakes. Um, We all fall short of the glory of God, but we're still given grace and opportunity to respond. Our small group guide will teach us that. Hopefully we can take a look at that. Our first question in Genesis 1 and verse 27 reminds us that we're hardwired for greatness. We're, we're created in the image of God. And it's something worth discussing. It's something worth being reminded of daily. Because I don't feel worthy of God's grace, his goodness. I don't feel part of that greatness at times. But maybe my response is every day to get up and remind myself that there's someone greater than me helping me through this world. We're faced with opportunities that put us on a path towards success or failure every day. I know this is true. This image alone can, um, can elicit a response just because some, sometimes, and maybe the season that we're in, this, this idea is a lot more difficult than we think it needs to be. Does it really have to be this tough that daily I need to respond with my eyes faced on success or failure? Can't life just be easy? Can't us, the followers of God, those who are seeking him diligently, can't we just be blessed in all things and that be enough? Well, that's not the wisdom of God. And if, you, if this morning you're hoping that I'm going to give you that health, wealth, and prosperity perspective, I'll give you some of that because God's going to bless us, but it may not be on this earth. We still have to make decisions that put us toward success instead of failure. In the coming weeks... We'll, have a, we'll talk about, we'll walk through some faith struggles. And this morning, it's the, fa- the failure to um, believe in greatness. Now, um, there's, a, there's a book, um, Upside Down Spirituality, that I've been reading. And um, in the chapter one talks about um, failure to believe in our greatness. And I, and I believe that we need to see our greatness through God's eyes, through that hardwired greatness from the beginning. But I want us to talk about failure to believe in in God's greatness and and what makes us good in the the first place. Because without God, we're not really that good. Um, Some people who aren't godly um, can can strike um, on goodness every once in a while. And, And some people are just good people even though they don't have faith in God. But God's greatness sustains goodness within us. King Nebuchadnezzar is a good example. We'll talk more about Daniel also in, these, um, in this, um, this sermon this morning. The author of the book, Chad Bird, said, we look at life through glory eyes, but he, God, looks at our lives through cross eyes. Where we see death, he sees life. Where we see loss, he sees gain. He does indeed turn everything upside down. And I want us to be reminded this morning that not everything that we're going to um, experience or participate in in our faithful walk with Christ is going to be something to rejoice about. That's why we rejoice with those who rejoice, and we also mourn with those who mourn. Because there are seasons in our life. Solomon understood those seasons. If you continue on in his, in his writings, you see that there's a season for everything. And in that, we have to understand that in that season, the season for everything, God is in all things. And if that is our foundation of faith, then when things are upside down, we'll still see God's goodness in those things. Whether our world tells us that we should endure that or not doesn't really matter. God tells us that we have to endure those things. 
God's wisdom and his power, his plan, his timing, and his voice don't always match up with ours. But God is sovereign. He's the all-powerful authority from the beginning of time. And to believe in God means we have to believe in that God also, even when things aren't always good in our glory eyes. There's goodness found in sacrifice and humility and those type of things. Last week, we talked about God's wisdom would seem foolish to the world. And for many people, this is foolishness. That we would look, for, look at death and try to see life. That we would look at loss and try to find gain. But without faith, how do you even respond to death and loss? How do you respond to, how do you respond to struggles? I can't imagine, and every time I'm put in the position to face death or to face these decisions or discussions about things that are out of my, out of my full, complete understanding, I have to lean on God and his grace and mercy and his understanding above my own. In Daniel chapter 1, in the third year, the reign of Jehoiakim of Judea, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. We know this story. We even use this story, part of this story in our VBS. If you go into the gym, we still have a, a golden altar that, um, that Scott and Glenda had in their class that we used during our skit. There's a, there's a puppet stage that represents the fiery furnace. Our kids um, remember that imagery from last week with, with um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego inside with, um, with God himself, the angel of the Lord, protecting them where they came out unsinged, un, unfazed, or unharmed by this, um, this great fire. We see that, and, um, that, that it's there in our gym, and it's reminded of that study last week. Nebuchadnezzar came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand. Nebuchadnezzar did something, but the Lord, the Lord was in control. Remember that when you read this verse. Without the Lord's deliverance, Nebuchadnezzar would not have besieged anything. Nebuchadnezzar could do nothing without the Lord's permission. And whether Nebuchadnezzar is faithful to God at this point or not doesn't matter. God is in control. He is sovereign. He, is, he has all authority and all power. And so along with um, some of the articles for the temple of God, he also delivers some of the most noble and young men without physical defect, those handsome ones, with showing aptitude in every way to his hand as well. And those that he, um, that he delivered were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah is that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I like Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah because I don't want to refer to them in their slave names, but they were taking slavery here into Babylonian custody. They were to be taught a new language, new literature, new culture, new food, new God to worship, new person in charge. Everything about their life was flipped upside down and said, we'll see how faithful you will remain. But we're going to take the best in what God has, and we're going to turn that into what, what we desire. And Nebuchadnezzar had a plan. Daniel understood something about God, and something I want to learn from, um, from his story early in this lesson this morning. What lies behind us and what lies before us are tiny matters compared to what lies within us. And, and, and this is not just tiny matters of what lies ahead or behind Daniel in this situation or Daniel and his, his closest friends. 
learning a new language and changing your culture and, 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 and being forced to worship a God that you don't believe in and everything being taken from you. And those are listed in kind ways. I'm sure there were some unkind things that were done to those who were taken into slavery or Babylonian custody. They were still tiny matters to what lies within them. Well, what lies within them is a God who is in control, is a Lord who delivered them into this situation, a negative situation for them to do God's will. Doesn't make sense. Doesn't make sense at all. But it's important that our faith is founded in that. Because even at, um, for those of us who've been doing this a while, faith still needs something um, something firm to hold us, hold us fast when, the, when, um, when we're besieged, right? When, when things come about in this world to take us into captivity, to put us, make us slaves to the things of this world. And those who are, are contemplating becoming a Christian and wanting to believe in something that lies before us and beyond us and within us, it's exciting and it's freeing to know that we have a new life found in Jesus Christ through God. But it's scary because it won't look like the life that we've been living. If we continue on in Daniel chapter 2, we see here that Daniel believes in the sovereignty of God. He praises God and his wisdom. He says, he changes times and seasons. He deposes kings and raises up others. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. Daniel knows that God is in control. The Lord delivered this situation, and Daniel is faithful in this situation. Not a positive, not a good, not a joyful, not a rejoicing time. But Daniel's faithful during this time. He reveals the deep hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness and light dwells with him. I thank and praise you, God of my ancestors. You have given me wisdom and power. You have made me known You have made known to me what we ask of you. You have made known to us the dream of the king. In all these things, in this upside-down scenario for Daniel and his friends, God still makes known to him the things that God understands. God gives him a blessing and allows him to interpret these dreams. God continues to allow Daniel to rise up. Daniel remains faithful in these situations. He chose not to eat the food of the king. He chose not to worship the God of the king. If you continue on in in chapter 3, we talked about um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's situation where they would not worship um, the golden image. And they were thrown into a fiery furnace. And who was there with them? God himself. In Daniel chapter 6, if you look in 10 through 16, Daniel remains faithful even when he's thrown in the lion's den. The mouths of those lions were shut because God delivered him and, his, and because of his faithfulness. God remains faithful to those who believe. And in time, God reveals all things. You'll understand what it takes. You'll understand why sometimes things don't uh, match up to what you think they should. You'll understand God's wisdom and his sovereignty and his plan and his timing and his voice. And in the meantime... Trust in God. We said last week, without trust, we have nothing. And this week, we need trust in that timing because it takes time for God God to reveal all things. And for some of us, that time may never come on this earth. 
we'll have an opportunity one day to seek the sovereign Lord and ask him to sit at his feet for eternity and, 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 get, and gain a full understanding of what his plan is all about. But in the meantime, church, we must remain faithful. Twelve months later, in Daniel chapter 4, the king was walking on the roof in the royal palace of Babylon. King Nebuchadnezzar is proud of himself. He's figured it all out. He's besieged Jerusalem. He's shown that he's probably more powerful than God himself, right? Because he doesn't understand that the Lord delivered. He assumes he did something great. Is this not the great Babylon I have built and the royal residence by my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty? We see where King Nebuchadnezzar's mind is. It's on what he can do. It's on him being the greatest. It's on glorifying himself and his greatness. You may not believe in God, but God believes in you, church. King Nebuchadnezzar doesn't believe that God is good or God is great at all, that he's even sovereign. But that doesn't change God's plans. God allows even King Nebuchadnezzar to learn of God's goodness. At the end of Nebuchadnezzar's time, where he's banished to the fields, where he's cursed for his wickedness, he raises his eyes toward heaven, and his sanity is restored. And then he does what? He praises something that he hasn't praised before. Not himself. He praises the God the Most High. I honored and glorified him who lives forever. It's, it's shameful that King Nebuchadnezzar couldn't learn these lessons from the things he'd seen through faithful men, through Daniel and, and, um, and his friends. And it takes King Nebuchadnezzar being flat on his back to being in the lowest of lows where he can finally be reconciled to the highest of highs. And the reality of our lives at times is it takes hitting rock bottom to see who's really in charge. This upside-down sort of mindset, and I w- I'm not going to do this this morning. I was going to lay on my back and, and show you how it's easier to get a perspective of God. Um, I'm not going to do that to our AV team and what that might do to my microphone and all those other things. But we do this at camp. We take the kids out to the ball field, or we say, you know what? You're on the basketball court. Lay down and look at the stars. Does it not remind you of the, the greatness of God and how much bigger he is than you? And, and, and those, are, those, are, those are easy times to do that. Some of us have been where we've, we've been flat on our backs because it's self-imposed, because we have nowhere else to turn, because we've been brought low because of our poor decision-making, because we've chosen failures of faith instead of success time after time after time. And then we realize, I have nowhere else to turn to the high, but to the highest of highs. And not everybody is graced with that opportunity to learn that lesson. Sometimes in our lowest of lows, we lose that opportunity. We lose our lives. We lose our sanity. We lose control over ourselves, and we can no longer turn back. Drugs can do that physically to us. Pornography, different things can can harden our heart and, and destroy our minds to things that aren't God's things and make it very difficult to ever see the goodness of God in life again. 
Because our, our minds and our hearts have been so poisoned to the things of this world. Pride can do that. Envy and jealousy can do that, church. It all stems from different places. And those low lows, even death and mourning, can put us in a very challenging situation where we can't clearly see the goodness of God anymore. Then where do we turn? Like last week, we'll be reminded that God's word is good, and we need to turn to God's word. God's voice is heard, and we need to pray to God. God's people are good as well. Hardwired into all of us is the greatness of God, and we should be able to, um, to share in that together in the fellowship of believers to remind us that there is something greater than the struggles of this earth. There's a way that appears right to us here on this earth, but it, it leads to death, Proverbs 16, verse 25. And for the faithful or the unfaithful, God's truth and his wisdom leads to life. Now, some of us have figured that out at an earlier time in our lives, an earlier age, and we've been following God faithfully because we understand God's word is true. But that's not the wisdom of our world. And our world continually trends further and further away from God's wisdom into its own, then we have a responsibility to be ambassadors to something greater than ourselves. So be careful, even when we become faithful, even when we've challenged, we face the challenges and we've, we've risen up from the lowest of lows and we praise God in the highest of highs, that we don't talk about our kingdom, our palace, our goodness, but God's goodness, God's kingdom, God's temple, our body, his church, his fellowship, the things that glorify him above ourselves because we are not that good. We're good because of God, and God is great all the time. So God's greatness determines our goodness. Not how we see good things in this world and expect those things to leak into church. But our church should leak into the world. Your bad year, and we've been there, from God's perspective is a year in which he has done the most in you. The, the thing about challenging yourself to grow and transform and mature in your faith is we have to celebrate and rejoice with those who rejoice and we also have to mourn with those who mourn. You are not exempt from mourning, church. You are not exempt from learning from your lessons. You are not exempt from repenting, confessing, and going through that process. At no point does God exempt you from following his will for your life and giving him the credit. It's not because he wants all the attention. He wants your attention. God has the world. He has it all in his hands. He is in control of who's in charge, who's a king, or who makes the laws. God's in control of all those things. The only thing you can determine that God is in control of in your personal life is your relationship with God. You can't even determine that for your own children. You can hope and you can aspire that they will remain faithful or become Christians or walk in a way that will be pleasing to, the, to God. But you can't do it for them. And children, you can't expect your parents to learn and grow and mature in their faith either. There could be that awkward moment where you start to see things in a way, through Scripture, through the Word, through your faith, that seems to be different than your parents see it. Does that mean that their faith and their understanding of God is no longer true? No. It just means it's different than yours. And your journey and their journey may be different as well. We have a lot to learn from each other. 
God's perspective is important to keep in touch. Our perspective of good does not limit the greatness of God. Our one simple truth this morning. What we think is good does not limit God's greatness. God's greatness is on full display all the time. He is sovereign. He is all-powerful. He has all authority. And what we expect to be good from God because we decided to follow him and come to church this morning may not be exactly what we get. But we still get a great God. Daniel understood that. Daniel was faithful to God. Daniel was found to be faithful in prayer three times a day. When he was, before he was throwing the lions, didn't you know why it was easy to find him? Because they knew exactly where he would be praying to his God. You could mark it on the clock. Our perspective of good does not limit the greatness of God. Praise the Lord. Because my God is so much greater than I can even understand. And I'll speak of God's goodness here at this church and in my life, and I will fail. And I'll continue to learn from those lessons, to try to transform and to mature in my faith. Um, the prayer of St. Patrick I want to share with you as we close this morning. It says, Christ with me, Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ in me. Christ beneath me, Christ above me, Christ on my right and Christ on my left. Christ when I lie down and Christ when I sit down. Christ when I arise. Christ in the heart of every man who thinks of me. Christ in the mouth of everyone who speaks of me. Christ in every eye that sees me. Christ in every ear that hears me. You want to know what you're supposed to do with your day and how you're supposed to speak of the goodness of God? Let Christ, let Christ flow through you. In what you do, what you think, where you're at, how you speak, let people know of the goodness of God through Jesus Christ. Christ in all things this morning in our invitation time. In the good times, I speak of Christ. In the bad times, I speak of the goodness of God and Jesus Christ. When I am comfortable, I speak of God's greatness. And when I am uncomfortable, I speak of God's greatness. When I am rejoicing, Christ is with me. And when I am mourning, Christ is with me. In health, Christ is there. And when I am sick, our God, our sovereign God is there with us as well. He is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6. And after you look through a whole list of men of faith in that chapter, be reminded that not all those rewards were that welcome for some of those who follow Jesus Christ, who are faithful to God. Some of the rewards that Daniel faced of being torn from his family and being enslaved in a, in a foreign country and his life being turned upside down prepared him for something greater prepared him for opportunities to shut the mouths of lions and let God roar through him. Let God's voice echo to those who would believe or not believe God is in control. Today, God offers forgiveness and salvation for those who diligently seek him. Today, through obedience, through an invitation, one that we, we talk about every week, an opportunity to respond. God gives us a chance to, to choose to become a new being, born again through the waters of baptism, and someone seeking him in their lives. Someone diligently seeking him 
so that one day we will be rewarded. And I'll say for the most part, faithful Christian walking, that journey of faith is very rewarding. But sometimes it's challenging. And it's important that we choose to walk together. Not only with those young believers, but those who struggle daily to survive in this world. Confessions just aren't for those who want to become a Christian for the first time. It's for those who struggle daily with being like Christ. And we can say, Christ in the heart of every man who thinks of me and speaks of me, and everyone that sees me and everyone that hears me, but that's not always easy. So this morning, we have a desire, a desire to respond and say, my God is in control. And I don't fully understand his plan, his timing, or his voice, but I'm subject to it. I'm going to start a journey and a walk that we're going to support each other in. And when we do that, and we celebrate with those who say, you know what, Christianity is something I want to dedicate my life to. I want to be an ambassador, and that may, me, that make, that may make me garbage in my community, as Paul would say. I'm okay with that. Because eternal reward of being called a diligent, faithful servant of God, it's forever. Be excited for those who choose to walk for the first time as much as we or be excited for those who struggle and um, need repentance and need to be picked back up for as much as we are for those who choose to walk for the first time. Because we represent all those here this morning, those who are seeking and those who have been on this journey for a while.